You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I'd like to talk tonight about the topic called Maros Nagaim. Maros Nagaim, which means the different uh, shades of of Nagayim, of, let's translate it as leprosy, even though it's not the uh, disease leprosy, it's some kind of spiritual ailment, but there are different shades of uh, Nega or Tzaras. Skin lesions. Well, yeah, but still that sounds very medical. We want to stick to the, to the spiritual definition of it. So let's call it a Nega. There are uh, different shades of Nagayim. Now where does this come from? So let's look at the Pasuk, page 608, 610. At the bottom of the page, by Daber Hashem al Moshe al Aaron Lemor, and Hashem spoke to Moshe and Aaron, so saying, Adam ki yihia baor besaru. If a person shall have in the skin of their flesh either a seis, o sapachas, o baheras, if they have either a seis, a sapachas, or a baheras, so this shall be in the skin of his flesh, as a affliction of tzaras. And then the Torah continues with, you should bring it to Aaron or Cohen or to one of his sons, and he should look at it, and he should inspect it, and see if it has the signs that shows that it's Tameh, then it's Tameh, and otherwise we lock him up, and we wait a week, whatever the process is. But as you can see, even in this uh, translation, um, they have the, they, they don't have a translation for Se'es, Sapachas, and Baharas, because in the Torah language, there are actually different names for different shades of Nega. But to us, it's all just Nega, Tsaras, Leprosy, whatever the term we want to use, it's all just one. What skin of your flesh? What does that mean? Well, they talk about that. Why it means your skin, but we're calling it the skin of the flesh, for some reason. Um, well, actually, we might come back to that. So Rashi has to help us. So Rashi says, "Seis o sapachas." The top line on page six ten in Rashi, "Shemos negaim heim." These are names of different kinds of leprosy. Ulevanos zumizu, each one is wider than the next. Meaning that the Torah is actually going in ascending order, as we'll see soon. So Se'es is a white uh, leprosy, Sapachas is whiter, and Baheres is whitest. <coughs> Rashi then continues that the word Baheres is related to the word Chabarburos, and then he gives some French word, and then he says Bahiru Bashchakim, um, it's not really clear in terms of what the commentaries discuss what Rashi wants. But Rashi is telling you that these are simply names of Nagaim, and um, each one is wider than the next. Rashi does not break down and explain to us what shades of white these are and why we have different names of Nagaim. So the Ramban quotes the Eben Ezra. The Ebenezer says that Se'es is related to, we'll avoid all the technicalities of where he gets to this proof, but he says Se'es is related to the concept of burning or incineration, which suggests some type of 
um, feverish lesion, let's go with the word you used, which comes from a, a, almost like a boil or something that's heating, and that's what happens to the skin. That's where the word se'es comes from. The Ebenezer continues and says, sapachas is its most literal translation, sapachas, is something which is connected, and this proofs from verses, that the word sapachas means connection. And baheres is, meaning that something's attached to the person, like he has a uh, a growth, but in this case it's more something has become attached to the body. And then baheres is from the word bahir, which means brilliant or light or clear or bright. Let's use that word. And therefore the Ebn Ezra isn't saying, without getting into the exact technicalities of them, but that these marks or these nagayim, these afflictions, are so named because those words actually represent the, the way that this nega looks. However, the Ebn Ezra is difficult. The Ramban does not disagree with him. It doesn't challenge the Ebn Ezra. But the Ramban does say, but our sages tell us that se'es means uplifted or lifted up. That's the, actually the literal translation of the word se'es, like he sees so when you will lift up. And the reason why that's the word for a nega is based on the Pasuk which tells us, if you take a look at um, later in verse 3, it says, The coin shall see the nega in the skin of his flesh, and the hairs within the nega have turned white, and the view or the perspective of the nega or the appearance really, is deeper than the skin of the flesh. Which is, if you look at the page in the Torah, as you can see, whenever you have something darker and something lighter, naturally, unless you do it the other way, but just looking at a page of text, the white of the page looks further away to you than the black of the letters. The letters look like they are on top of the white. So, generally speaking, when you have darker and lighter, the lighter, the darker looks like it's on top of the lighter. So, therefore, whenever I want to say that something is not as white, whenever I want to say something is, let's call it, dimmer than something else, I can say it's more dim, it's more lifted up than the rest. So that means that the least shade of white, I should say the darkest shade of white, which qualifies for a nega, is called se'es, because another way of saying, because saying darkest shade of white is an oxymoron. You can't have a darker shade of white, but it is darker relative to the other white. More intense. Intense. So they're calling it higher. We would probably say dimmer, maybe. Is dimmer good? Right, less white is dimmer than 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 the than the other white, which is a more bright white. Subdued. Subdued. Okay, I. I may, but I, our sages call it. This is what our sages say. It's called se'es, which means higher up. Working off the fact that the Torah defines whiteness as something which is deeper, therefore the less white is less deep or higher up. That's what our sages so say. With the higher up, then, are we talking about something like blisters or... No, it's not actually lifted up. It's only in terms of its shade. Its shade gives an appearance of being less further away than the shade of the other nega, which is wider and therefore looks more further away. 
Difficult stuff. We'll see. It's actually easier to say deeper. Looks deeper. Well, deeper is the other way. What's right. more white is deep, right. and this is less deep. Right. So okay, so less deep is called se'es, or uplifted. This would be the opposite of actual color theory, because in that realm, we would teach that the brighter, lighter is more up, and the darker recesses into the... Right, right, that's actually correct, but we're talking about appearance, not right, not the actual because um, it's all it's all the same height in this case. Certainly, um, I mean, in terms of what you can feel on the skin, but if something is more white, it seems like the pa- like the white of the page of the text, which it's an optical illusion. But it seems like the black is on top of it. So, so in that sense, that's where what. Lifted up. Lift up. So less white is called. That's that's what our sages well, actually explain. Actually, in reality, the black is on top of the white page. It's printed onto the page. Right, but even if it weren't, even if you were to take a black piece of paper and um, put um, a print on it, some white words, it would still look like the white is deeper in and that the black is further out. So, but in this case, yes, it happens to be that. Even with an, uh, an inkjet printer. Okay. Furthermore, our sages say that the word sapachas is re- really related to the word secondary. And therefore, our sages explain like this. There's a Mishnah in Mesechtas Nagayim. This appears in two other places in Shas as well. The Mishnah reads as follows. Maros Nagaim Shnaim Shehen Arba. The shades of a Nega are two, which are really four. Meaning, there are four total shades of Nega, even though the Torah only gives three. That's what we're going to get into. The Torah only gives three, but there's really four. But there are two which are four, because there's two categories. And they're broken up into, each one into two. And the Mishnah reads as follows. Marus negaim shnaim sheinarba. Shades of a nega are two, but there's really four. Baharas, the brightest of them all is the Baharas, which for us is number three. Aza kasheleg, which is bright as white snow. Snow white is the um, brightest shade of white in terms of nega. Shniola, but then second to it, Kesid HaHechal is the shade of white which was used the, of, for the plaster in the sanctuary. Now, we don't have the basic English today, so we can't compare it, but we would have, you know, we would say all these different shades of white, so they had plaster white. The third is Se'es, which is for us the first one in the Torah. That's Ketzemer Lavan, that's white wool. And our sages explain, how do you get white wool? So all the wool which we have comes from a sheep, which isn't really white unless you treat it. But in those days, they didn't have the same process of treating wool, so the people who were buying expensive wool, which was really white, so when the sheep was, would be born, they would put a coat over it. And the wool would grow within the coat. Then when they got to a certain age, they took the coat off and the wool underneath would be very white. That's how they got their expensive white wool. Today we just put it in a machine and, and it washes it. Interesting. So 
So it's from, you mean... It's so it's that white. white. It's not white normally because of the dirt, then? Yeah. And the sun. Yeah. And if you want white yeah. asparagus, you have to cover it. Oh, okay. If it's hard to get, then people want it. Shni Allah, second to it, is kakrum beitza, that's the shell of an egg. So egg white is the fourth layer. So again, we have snow white, plaster white, wool white, and egg white. No, eggshell white. Eggshell white, which is actually different than the white of the egg, and there are there's some discussion whether it means the outer shell or there's an inner layer. There's without getting into the complexities of it, but it's let's call it eggshell white. So the problem is the Torah only gave three. Where'd you get the fourth? So you may have wondered, since according to our sages the order is Baharis is the brightest, why is the Torah going the other order? The Torah gives us first the Saes, then the Sapachas, then the Baharis. So our sages explain, the Rush says this, the other commentaries say this, that that's the word sapachas in the middle. Se'es means uplifted or dim. Baharas means bright. Sapachas, which means secondary, is referring to both the se'es and the baharas. Which means each one has its own secondary color. And our rabbis had a tradition that the that these were the colors. We couldn't make this up. This has to go back. So all the way back from Sinai, we received this tradition that the four colors are snow white, plaster white, wool white, and egg white. Eggshell white. So why isn't it called because oh, so, if the Torah had started with the brightest one and said Baharas then Sapachas then Se'es, I would say Sapachas is only going on the secondary of Baharas. But if the Torah says Se'es, Sapachas, Baharas, by saying that the lower one can include a secondary, then certainly the brighter one can include a secondary. The problem is, as the Gemara says, the Gemara in Shavuos asks, what, what do we need shades for? What do we need shades at all? Just say anything which is whiter than eggshell white is considered a nega. Why, why do we need to know four shades? So first the Gemara wants to argue that maybe if you know half the nega is this shade and half the nega is that shade, they wouldn't combine, so then you would need to know what the shades are. But then the end the Gemara ends up concluding that no, they do combine. Says the Gemara, if they combine then basically you're saying that anything that's whiter than eggshell white is is a nega. So why do we have four different shades? So listen to this answer of the Gemara because it doesn't really answer the question. <laughs> Says the Gemara, because this is to teach you that if a Kohen doesn't know the different shades... And the names of the different shades. If he's not an expert in these things, he's not fitting to rule the laws of Nagai. He can't declare someone Tameh or Tahar. That's the answer to the Gemara, which is difficult. Because why does he need to know the shades or the names of the shades? If it doesn't matter. You're, you're taking the Nega, which means wider than an eggshell, and you're saying that the Kohen... You're, you're giving it four different names so that you can obligate the coin to know the names because if he doesn't know the names, how is he supposed to give the rulings? 
don't have different names or shades, and just let the Kohen be able to recognize if it's whiter than eggshell white. It's a Kohen test. Yeah, but but it's it's a it's a unnecessary test because he he shouldn't need to know all the different shades if it doesn't matter what shade it is. Then it must matter, and you're just getting to the point. Uh, uh, Further difficulty, yeah, absolutely. This is this gemara because. Amr Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi Hanina says, in case you're not getting this point of the two, which is four, let me explain it to you. Marshal the Rabban and Lama Davardab, you know what this can be compared to? Letrei Malchi u Letrei Iparchi. To two kings and two prime ministers. So a king has a prime minister and that king has a prime minister. So in the same way, there's this higher shade of Nega, and then it's got its lower shade, and then you have this shade with its lower shade. Thank you, thank you. You just explained to me what I need. So you think the Gemara would say, no, no. Rabbi Adibar Abba Amar, no, 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 you're, you're, that's not right. It's more like Malka Va'alkafta Rufila Varesh Galvasa, Varesh Galusa. It's more like a king, and then there's a, uh, let's call it a, uh, let's go with prime minister, and then there's a, a prefect and an exilarch. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, or as uh, maybe we would say it today, it's more like um, the president, the vice president, the secretary of state, and uh, who's next? Um, Attorney General. Uh, Attorney General, or the uh, Minister of Agriculture. The, uh, <laughs> the point is, it's it's four different things. Rava Amar, Rava says, no, 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 it's not like that. It's more like the Shvor Malka and the Kesar, the Persian king and the Roman king. What are these rabbis arguing about? Further, it doesn't end. So, so Rav Papa says to Rava, Haiminayu Adif. But which one's bigger, the Persian king or the Roman king? <laughs> Amale says to him, Have you grown up your whole life in the forest? Pokhazi, <laughs> why don't you go out and see? Who do you think is bigger? Because there's a verse in Daniel that says, And they consume, this is the vision of Daniel where he saw the the different uh, kingdoms, he said, and along came the fourth animal, and it consumed all the earth, destroyed everything. But Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said, that's referring to Rome, which basically took over the world. So what are you, what are you asking me? Who's bigger, the, the, the Persian king or the Roman king? In other words, which one was the, which one was the Baharis, and which one was... So it, it seems very difficult. All of this sounds really difficult. And I'd like to throw in one more question into the mix. And that is the first word in this parsha. Adam kiyiya b'or b'sara. And there are not many mitzvahs which begin with the word Adam. Most of them begin with ish or um, not using any term at all. But here, the Torah chooses the word Adam. Why? So, there's a medrash, and as you can see, uh, and I, I just want to point out, it's, it's such a good example 
of where you look at it at first glance and, and you wonder like, really are these sages, are these sages? They're arguing over whether it's more like the um, prefect of Rome. In other words, one says it's like the king and the prime minister and the uh, and the and the count and the baron, the baron and the count. And the other one says, no, 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 it's more like the king and the duke and the. Uh, what are they arguing about? It sounds like they're almost being silly when, in fact, you read a few more lines and you see how brilliant the sages were and, and the way that they speak in a way that. Sounds like they're saying nothing, but they're saying so much. Let's go straight to the Medrash. The Medrash says, it says in the Torah, Adam kiyya ba'or besaro se'es. Se'es, says the Medrash, zu bavel. Bavel is the se'es. Shenamar, there's a verse which says, V'nasasa ha-mashal hazeh ha-melech Bavel, and you shall raise up this parable over the king of Bavel, which means that the Torah actually uses the word se'es, or the Navi uses the word se'es, in context of the king of Bavel. Now, you'll say, okay, so just because we happen to use the word se'es somewhere in relation to Bavel, that's going to make it. So at first glance, you'll say, well, that's not a comparison. We'll see soon. It goes a lot deeper than that. But the point is that the Medrash sees that as much as you can have on the individual human being, you can have this affliction of nega, of leprosy, which is called se'es, you can also have on the Jewish people as a whole, maybe even on the world as a whole, can experience an equivalent level calamity called Bavel. The Medrash continues, Sapachas, Zumalchus Madai. Sapachas refers to media Persia. Shahayahama mistapeach imachashverish, because Sapachas means attachment, because the Persians themselves couldn't destroy the Jews. It was only by getting help from Haman, the Amalekites, that they were able to do so. So Sapachas can be seen as a sort of like a partnership. Baheres, Zu Yavan. Baheres, this bright white as snow leprosy, refers to the Greeks. Now, the, the Medrash brings some verses, but we're going to avoid the technicalities of that. And then when the Torah says, and it shall be in his flesh, the skin of his flesh, an affliction of Tzaraz, Zumalchus Edom, that refers to Edom. Which means the Medrash is reading that this verse is referring to, once again, as we've discussed this in previous classes, Jewish history. If it shall be, if the Jewish people shall be afflicted by Se'es, that's Bavel, Sapachas is Persia, and Baharis is um, the Greeks, that's the fourth one, that's, that's Adam. So the Shemish Shmuel, he asks, he says, I don't understand. There are four signs of leprosy. There are four shades of Tsaras. The fourth one isn't mentioned in the Torah. There's only three mentioned in the Torah. That fourth expression just means if any of these qualify as a nega tzaras, it's referring to the previous three. It's not a new shade of nega. So it, it, there should only be three kingdoms mentioned in this verse. Tzaras is an absolute. I mean, it's, that's it. 
there must be an identifiable saras that is unquestionably saras. The others are questionable. I think except the problem is that this fourth one just so happens to be um, saras, uh, is is referring to the level two. Right, so it's saras not saras is level two. When you say Tzaraz? Well, Tzaraz refers to all of them. But, but the, the, that verse which we're referring to, which refers to Adam, is if any of those three shall be a Tzaraz, oh, that's a reference to Adam. There's only three mentioned. So you want to put three kingdoms in there, we're fine. But you, it sounds like almost like you're trying to force the fourth one into the next line of the Pasuk. So in, in order to understand this, we have to go to uh, a little bit of very deep understanding um, a, a little mixture of the Kabbalistic perspective of this and the philosophical perspective. Um, the Kabbalists phrase the breakdown of the spiritual aspect of a person into nefesh, ruach, and neshama. Nefesh is the life force within the person. Animals have a nefesh as well. There's something which makes them alive. There's some force within them, which we usually associate with blood flow and the heart and the brain, all these things, but, but it's, it's the life force, technically let's call it associated with the blood. But then, there's a ruach, let's go to the other direction. Neshama is only for a human being, or for, for uh, the soul of a Jew. That's a, a neshama. The neshama which we say is a portion from God on high, is very far. It only desires spiritual things. And in between the nefesh and the neshama is the ruach, the spirit, which is the um, part of the person that speaks. It's the spirit of life. So we have nefesh, ruach, neshama. However, the maharal names them differently. And that's what we're going to focus on today. The Maral takes the same Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama and calls them Guf, Nefesh, and Seichal. Guf is the physical body. Nefesh is the soul or the um, spirituality within the person. I'd say almost related to the heart and the emotions. And Seichal is the brain. Uh, this can be very confusing um, if you try to discuss these two th- triplets in interweaving between one and the other. We're not going to do that. We're just going to take the Maral's words of Guf, Nefesh, and Seichel. I just want to make sure you don't confuse that the Nefesh of the Maral is the Ruach of the Mekubalim. So the Mekubalim of Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, the Maral is calling them, he's referring to the same thing, he's just calling them um, Guf, Nefesh, and Seichel. And the philosophers, when they discuss Guf, Nefesh, and Seichel, because they phrase it differently, they actually end up struggling a bit with how does the Guf connect to the neshama, to the nefesh, or to the seichel. So, there's a great rabbi called the Avne Nezer, who was the father of the Shemishmol, who explained, to answer the philosopher's question for what keeps it all together, he said, sometimes, when things themselves can't attach to each other, 
But if there's something that contains them all, that brings them together. So says the Avnenezer, there's something, there's a fourth level, a fourth power, above Guf, Nefesh, and Seichel, which contains all three and binds them as one. He says, well, it would be related to that, the Tselem Elohim, which is, of course, related to the structure and the skin, which, on a physical level, encloses it all. But he calls it the Tselem Elohim, is that fourth element, which contains it all, and the Tselem Elohim is what brings together the Guf, the Nefesh, and the Seichel. It's all of them. It's all of them. The goof, especially, because we say that Hashem doesn't have any yeah, physical aspect, and now you're saying that the so this, Yeah, so this goes back to a discussion we had uh, a few weeks ago about whether um, we're using. The, we're, whether we're created in the, it's really who us who are creating the Salam Alakim, because the word goof is actually a very um, um, profound, uh, profound ethereal term, which we've borrowed and applied to our goof. But we actually are, according to the Mukubala, even our bodies are structured in the in the shape of the interaction between God and the world. And it says in Eov, me besari echze elokaf, from my own flesh I shall see God, because, you know, our right hand represents chesed, and our left hand represents kibur. So even the physical aspects within our body are also still metaphors, but still analogies to the Tselem Elohim. It's a complicated subject, but... So, every, I mean, I've heard once that the, everything in the body is somehow anal- analogous has a corresponding spiritual right in, in within within the upper realms absolutely yes so every every cell so which means that according to the Avdei Nezer, this is what Shemesh Mul is saying it's guf nefesh seichel all contained within the tselem elokim which is a separate entity but contains them all and that's when it says, and God created man in his image, but Salam Alukim Bara Osam, that Salam Alukim is this higher definition of man. And he says, that's why man has four names. You say man, and I'm here, I'm not talking about men versus women, I mean mankind. Enosh, Gever, Ish, and Adam. So Enosh, the literal translation of the word enosh, but now you'll find very rarely is the word enosh referred to in the singular, but you see it all the time in its plural, anashim. The singular of anashim is enosh. The word enosh means forgotten or abandoned or left behind or depraved, weak. It's probably maybe the best word. And like the like uh, Yosef names his oldest son Menasha, Kinashani Elokim, God has allowed me to forget my 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 troubles. The word Enosh means weak or um, deprived. Deprived, depraved. Sometimes those two words are the same. So um, he says that refers to the body, which is Anush, weak and forgotten and. Uh, 
less important, shall we say. But then the next level above the goof is the nefesh. Again, the moral system. The nefesh is what fights against the goof and is more powerful. And therefore that's called gever. Gever means gevura, strength. Ish also means master of. That's why sometimes a person would be uh, that, uh, a certain rabbi um, ish, was an ish Yerushalayim, meaning he was the in charge of Yerushalayim. So ish, it refers to someone who's a master over something or a balabayas. That's the seichel. That's the brain. And then Adam is the highest name referring to the Tzalim Elohim. That's why when God made the first human, could have called him Enosh, or Gever, or Ish, but he gave him the name Adam. Because Adam refers to the highest uh, of, and in fact, if you want to think of it this way, everyone always translates, you see, that God called him Adam because he was Min Adama. But as we know, that was the choice that man made, that his definition of Adam should be Min Adama. Because Adam can also mean Adame, which means I will be like to simulate or emulate God. So Adam is always a choice. But Adam can be the lowest term, meaning Anochi Afar Ve'efer, or Adam can mean I can strive. In fact, that was their problem, because the serpent comes to them and says, V'yisam kelukim, you shall be like God. But, but that was the Adam, the drive with it. So Adam represents the Tzalem Elohim, because that's exactly what the Tzalem Elohim is, the opportunity for man to emulate, to follow the ways of Hashem. It's actually a deeper secret here, which we're not going to go into, but if you spell Yud Ke Vav Ke, if you spell it out, Yud Vav Dalet Hey Aleph, Vav Aleph Vav Hey Aleph, that's 45, which is Adam, so the name of God. Anyway, but that's, that's more complicated. But the point is, just on a simple understanding, Adam is the highest of these levels, representing specifically the Tzalem Elohim. Alright, are we ready to complicate things a bit? There are three challenges in the world. Three areas of challenge, which we've referred to in the past as Kina, Taiva, and Kavod, which are Motsinas Adam and Olam, jealousy, desire, and honor. But let's give them names not based on the attribute which leads to them, but their most extreme forms. The most extreme form of kina is murder. The most extreme form of taiva is adultery. And the most extreme form of kavod is avodazar. Those are the three cardinal sins, which are the most extreme expressions of failure to either um, you know, check oneself in terms of your interactions with others, which would be murder as a result of jealousy, or to check oneself in the area of indulgence, which would be adultery versus taiva desire. And then kavod, which is of course control or power or um, really, let's go back to control, is related to Avodazaro, which is really going against God and wresting that control from God and taking that control for ourselves, which is what really what idol worship is. Is that why Enosh was the one who... Well, we'll see. We're going to line them up in a second. Okay. So says the Shem Mishmo, 
Avodazara, this is easy, is a brain sin. So it doesn't quite go with that. He says Avodazara is a sin in the brain. Therefore, Avodazara is related to a failure to use my seichel properly. Adultery, we're going out of order here, is the body. That's a failure to control the body. Murder is the nefesh, or the soul, or the emotion, if you want to say it that way. And so we have these three challenges. Failure, the ultimate failure in the process of calculations and thought and processing is to come to idol worship. The greatest failure in terms of the body allowing to take control is adultery. And the greatest failure in the area of respecting the concept of soul and life is murder. And so Hashem knew that in order to fix the problems in the world represented by, we're not going to go back to ancient days when these sins were committed in terrible ways, but we have our three forefathers, three patriarchs, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and we have the three Yamim Tovim, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, which are our opportunities to make use of what our forefathers teach us to correct these areas in the world. Says the Shemesh that um, adultery or the body, he says, that's fixed by Avraham, who is the one who introduces Mila. We're told he explains this at length in other places, but that Avraham was um, even his own wife, he, he, he didn't look at in that way, and that's why the challenge is in his wife being taken from a very complicated. Um, Proof, but he says that adultery is overcome by Avram's sanctification of his body, which is related to the yamtiv of Pesach. Which he doesn't say this, but that's the reconnection of the husband and wife, which is part of the story of the Haggadah, where we discuss that there was um, this reconnection. And requires brismila. And requires brismila. Um, against the intellectual challenge, which would lead to Avodazar, you have Yitzchak, who despised the wives of Esau and went blind because of the smoke of the Avodazar that he was trying to fight. And of course, the intellectual accomplishments, which goes against Avodazar, will lead you to Kabbalah Satora, which is Shavuos, coming up soon. And so Yitzchak is... Um, and Shavuos go against the intellectual challenges, which would, to the other extreme, become a Vodazar. And says, respect for life, or going against murder, he says that's Yaakov and Sukkot, which represents the Jewish people being protected, and the, all the different aspects, the Lulav and the Esrach Adasim, all coming together. You know, that maybe requires a whole class on the Yamim Tovim and how he works these out. But this is the Shemish Mishmol, and it's interesting, because the Shemish Mishmol himself, in different places, lines up the Avos differently, corresponding with the... Um, but at least here, this is the way he says it. But if there are three levels to your soul, and then there's something bigger that includes them all, there must be three levels to our challenges, and then something that includes them all. And what could possibly be worse and bigger 
than idolatry, adultery, and murder. Something bigger that includes them all. Lashon Har. The Gemara says, which is related, of course, to Sinas Khan. The Gemara says that Lashon Har is shakul, against all three, and the Gemara goes on to prove this, but it is clear in the Gemara that our sages saw the sin of Lashon Har as being, including within it, all three. Why? Because if you think about it, it does include all three. Because it is the ultimate in Lashon Hara. Again, if we're saying that it's not about the idolatry, the adultery, and the murder. If it's about, if uh, 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 adultery is really indulgence of a desire which is unhealthy, how much more of a desire for something unhealthy is there for me to talk about someone else? I remember a Rebbe once came in into, into class. He came in and he said he needed to rant. He said, I can't believe this. Someone just came over to me and said, you've got to hear this juicy piece of Lashon Hara. He said, you called it Lashon Hara. If you say, you know, I got to tell you this is uh, interesting, you got to hear this juicy piece of Lashon Hara. How could a person talk like that? How could, okay, people forget, they talk, they say, but you just called it Lashon Hara and you're, you're trying to sell it to me as being a juicy piece of Lashon Hara, like it's a fresh watermelon. But that's what it is. It's an indulgence that people will just, and certainly in terms of Shri Damim and murder and the harm that's caused to someone else. Just meaningless, like all sinas chinam, meaningless and purposeless harm that just for the sake of hurting another person, and people have died as a result of Lashon Har. And certainly intellectually, it's that belief that I'm in charge and that there's no, that I need to control things in this way in order for my life to work out for me. So Lashon Har includes them all. I was going to say it. It seems to me that on all three of those things you end up speaking Lashon Hara when you're, if someone's being unfaithful to their spouse, they're usually speaking badly about that spouse to the person they're trying to convince. To pa- possibly, they, they will include, although murder, I don't know if murder has that so much. Well, you've developed an extreme hatred towards someone that you yeah, but I, I don't know if that turns necessarily into Lashon Hara. Hatred is a little different, but it de- definitely seems well, to well, that's what we're saying. It's more, it causes murder. Right, right. Right, right. Absolutely. So it's, it's involved in all... Right, absolutely. And Lashon Hara is going to be this big one that's going to include them all. That's why Tsaras comes for Lashon Hara. So is Lashon Hara the Tzalam So that's exactly what he says. So if... If each of these hurts either your nefesh, your ruach neshama, or as we're calling them, the guf, the nefesh, and the seichel, Lashon Hara will go straight to the source, to your tzalem elokim, to that container which contains them all, and just destroy the whole thing. So, if that's true, if Lashon Hara is that fourth one, we just saw we need someone to go against Lashon Hara in person and in time. So I, I would I would have guessed differently, but he says that if it's Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, he says the fourth is Moshe. I would, I would have gone there. I would have gone to David. Um, but but he says the fourth is Moshe. 
Moshe is the greatest example of Tzalem Elohim. And in terms of time, it's Shabbos. Shabbos is that container which contains them all. It is, as we say, in the Kiddush of Shabbos, Tchila Lemikra Ekodesh. It is the first, the one which is greater than all the Yamim Tovim. In fact, it is by Pesach, the Torah refers to Pesach as Mimachras HaShabbos, because the Yamim Tovim are little miniature, miniature Shabbosim, or Shabbosos. So he says, that's Moshe and Shabbos. So now, hear this. The Maral writes that Bavel, they were out to destroy the Nefesh. Persia was out to destroy the body. The Greeks were out to destroy the brain. And the Romans won it all. If you think about it, it actually makes sense. Because the Babylonians, what did they destroy? I would have guessed that the Greeks were the body. No, but the Greeks were, it's the philosophy. It, they worshipped the body. But what they were out to destroy of ours was the, the Greek wisdom versus the Torah wisdom. Right? The At least that's the way it is. What? There's still such a big challenge. Right. Well, we'll see. That's because the fourth challenge is all three. So that's what he says. Bavel, what did they go after? They didn't kill us, the Babylonians. They went after our... Uh, our nefesh, they went after the Beis Hamikdash. They went after the emotion, the heart, the soul of the Jewish people. The Persians, they, they, Haman uh, teamed up. They were going to wipe out body and, and while the Greeks went against the brain. That's why we say that uh, there's no Chiyav Suda on Hanukkah like there is on Purim. It's, which one was a bigger miracle? Hanukkah seemingly was a more open miracle especially with the menorah, and the explanation given is because the Greeks were after our brains, so we celebrate with brain stuff, which is Halel and Hoda. But Emporium, they were after our bodies, so we celebrate with body stuff, eating and drinking. So, says the Shem Ishmuel, and this is incredible, he says, Bavel is Se'es. They are um, corresponding with the Nefesh, which represents murder or arrogance. So se'es means to rise up over someone else, corresponding with the nefesh, which corresponds with murder. Madai, the Persians, even though they were trying to destroy the body, but it's, it's more, there's sapachas. Sapachas means the um, partnership, but sapachas also means attachment. That represents their physical attack of the goof of the Jewish people, because they try to get us to partake of the Suda, which is the physical indulgence, and they end up trying to destroy our bodies. While Baharis, what does Baharis actually mean? Bright. Bright or brilliant. That's the Greeks. They are the corruption of Baharis, of wisdom, of understanding, and of brilliance. They were brilliant. But their brilliance was a brilliance to deny God. So, says the Shem Ishmuel, of course the fourth one isn't going to be listed by a name. The fourth one is going to be if any of these three shall turn into a Negatzeras, because the fourth includes the previous three. 
So Edom is that line, if any of these shall become the Negatars, because Edom actually includes all three. And think about it. They went, they destroyed the temple just like the Babylonians. They were after our soul. They were certainly after our religious observance throughout this last close to 2,000 years. The body, we have millions of martyrs to prove that. And certainly the brain, as you mentioned, that was still going through um, from, from all the way at the beginning with the Roman debates, through the um, uh, forced conversions, through the Enlightenment, and even in, into today, we're constantly being challenged in our morals and beliefs because Rome is an exile that includes all three. So he says, therefore, you hear this? It's so clear when the rabbis were saying that in order for a Kohen, yeah, we could have just called it all one shade of, of any shade higher or brighter than that. But that wouldn't explain to you what's really going on. You have to look at the different shades in order to understand what's going wrong with you. The Kohen is not just supposed to mark the body of the person and say, you're Tameh, you're Tahar. The Kohen is supposed to be able to look at it and say, you're suffering with Kina, you're suffering with um, Avodazari, you're suffering with Bavel, you're suffering, you're supposed to be able to understand what's really going on by understanding the different forces for each of these different things. And if a person's really bad off, then he's suffering from all three, and he's experiencing an Adam on the skin of his flesh. The Kohen has to know it and their names, and that's why the rabbis are going, no, one second, one's a king, one's a prime minister. No, they're not. One's a, one's a count and a duke because they're debating what kind of nationality or government these are describing because the different shades will tell you how far into each of these places you are and how far you, how much you have to correct. And so when the fourth one says, which one is bigger, Persia or Rome? They're debating, and that's why he says, where have you lived all your life? Don't you know that Rome is the biggest, they include them all, that's the fourth animal in the vision of Daniel? So what they're discussing in secret without us knowing this, they're having this discussion on these deep philosophical understandings of whether the shade of white, which represents the plaster of the Heichal, or this shade of white, which is wool, you should know that's the white, but what is its corruption? What's happening? What is the soul really experiencing? Because if you were really an expert in these areas you should be able to see the nega and not just see whether it's Tami or Tohar, but what this person is experiencing. Because the holy books tell us that a nega actually is God is constantly maintaining the world. Constantly. HaMechadesh betuvo b'chal yom tamid. Meaning God constantly renews the world. If for one second God would not consider the world's existence, we would cease to exist. We wouldn't die out wouldn't disappear, we would simply cease all existence. And it's that maintaining of our existence that God allows, and furthermore, God bestows upon His light to allow us to thrive and to live on the spiritual level. What happens is, if even the slightest amount of light is blocked from that person, that appears in the flesh of the skin, in the skin of the flesh, 
Uh, maybe that's why it's the skin of the flesh. It appears on the outside as a sign of what's happening on the inside. Which means that God has, to a certain extent, now does that mean a nagat means 10% of this person's light is removed? Or does it mean 0.00010%? Or does it mean more? We don't know. The holy books don't tell us. But there's a certain amount of light that's been blocked off from this person, and what remains behind is a nega. And what's, where that person has failed is in their tzalem elokim, because this parish is talking about Mitzora. Mitzora is Motsi Ra or Motsi Shem Ra, or someone speaking Lashon Hara. Because this person has cut off their Tzalem Elokim, that's why the parish begins with Adam Ki Yihia Ba'or Besaro. If an Adam, meaning you should know that the Lashon Hara that you speak, that this Nega can reach into and be a sign of a blemish in all the areas, straight through from the, the Minister of Agriculture all the way to the Commander-in-Chief. All the levels may have been corrupted by this person. The Sefer Yitzira tells us that the word oneg and the word nega are the same letters. Because there's no lower place, this is what it says, there's no lower place than nega and there's no higher place than oneg. Oneg, which we've discussed in the previous class, is actually the letters Eden Nahar Gan, which is Eden, the river which flows from it into the garden. That's Oneg. That's what we are trying to tap into every Shabbos when we're trying to connect on the level of the soul. It goes against Nega. And the, the Gemara tells us that, uh, this is off the topic, but the Gemara tells us that one of the remedies they used to use in old days to try to get rid of nega is beets. Which is why the custom is to eat beets on Shabbos. Because Shabbos is oneg versus nega. And that's why, if you're wondering, I mentioned this before, why is charein, which we put on fish, why would they take the day when everyone is wearing a nice white shirt and take horseradish, which is totally not staining, and add one of the most staining foods to it just to complicate our lives. Why, why would they do that? The answer is because they wanted us, in heaven, they wanted us to eat beets on Shabbos, to put it in the horseradish, because beets go against nega, and that's oneg versus nega. Back to, back to where we are. I missed something. Beets? Against nega. Beets were an ancient remedy it for nega. So, what is the medicinal quality of the beets? I, I don't know how it works on a medical level, but certainly it uh, it uh, it seems to help even on a spiritual level. So you have to figure out you know how, how that works. I'm just repeating what it says. Exactly. Right. right. So what? It helps blood pressure. Keeps lower. Huh? Maybe. Right. Or. Yeah, it increases blood flow. Okay. Really oh, well, maybe that's why it was used to, to help heal. The point is, though, that, that that's why even these little customs that we have, everything has a reason and an explanation. There's, there's, every, there's a rhyme and reason to have it, but back to where we are. The negaim are meant to be an incredible thing. They're a gauge and a meter of where the person is, spiritually speaking. We today, we don't have in the garden, we don't have Kohanim who know these things. So we have trouble knowing when specific calamities, what, what they are a result of. 
The Torah gives us this mitzvah. But what we do know is that the world right now is in Galus Edom. Galus Edom, we're saying, is Se'es and Sapachas and Baharas. We're challenged in all three of what the Zohar Gilarai Shrichas Damim and in the Tzalem Alukim is being challenged by Lashon Hara. And th- this is the parsha when we should try to, as much as we can, work on ourselves on all three levels, especially on Lashon Hara, and try to correct our Tzalem Alukim. Thank you. Very well done. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.